Amen. Thank you so much, praise team, for always coming in and through. It's, uh, I looked on our, um, our chart this week as we try to help folks get seated and kind of make sure that we're positioned well. Um, we hit the number 26 this week, so for half a year, we've been having in-person services through COVID, uh, so we praise the Lord for that. And praise team, thank you so much for coming in every week and preparing early and all those that um, are working stuff that when the lights shine this way, I don't know who's in the, in the perch upstairs, uh, but there's a lot of folks um, that have been in that room and some very faithful people that are making sure not just that we experience the service here, but um, they're working very hard to make sure that the service um, is experienced um, other places at people's homes and stuff like that. So thank you so much for what you're doing, um, care team, for making sure everything flows so smooth. Um, our kids workers, who some are in here now, many um, are in the back. Thank you so much for what you're doing um, and, and what the Lord has um, ahead for us as we uh, as we go one of two ways with services. We're excited to worship no matter what. Um, Want to make an announcement to you. Uh, this Wednesday, we had a chance to um, have some of our some of our former youth was able to come in. Uh, we had several, uh, quite a few of our uh, youth that currently is meeting with us. Uh, had a great time on Wednesday night, just um, saying thank you to Dale specifically for uh, the years that he's put in in ministry uh, to our students, and we're so appreciative of of what God has used him to do through that time. And we're really excited. I'm, I'm really excited about. Um, how God is going to continue to establish and grow his ministry as he moves in and does some different things here with Reedy Fort Community Church. Uh, last weekend, we had uh, a couple that was in, uh, a gentleman that we uh, had extended an offer to to be our new student pastor to come in and, and really be part of our family here. And one of the things that we, we talked a lot about, we, we talked a lot through doctrine and theology and, and practical things and all that kind of stuff, but one thing that we talked to a lot of folks about, and I feel like it really landed um, with, with this gentleman better than it landed with anybody else that we talked to. You could just see the evidence of it. Um, was that it, it wasn't just about having an idea of what to do, just big picture how to reach students. Um, it was really that we feel like that God will, will continue to place people within our church family, and then he'll surround us with those that are not part of this church family that we need to be faithful to. Um, and we have students here that need... Uh, to, to form these relationships to begin a new season of student ministry. And we have students outside and families outside of even our church family. Um, and are really excited about what God is going to do um, as he connects them um, here and as they give, they have opportunities to do a lot of different kinds of ministry. Um, so just we want to welcome, uh, just so you know, um, Ethan and Victoria Fisher. Um, Ethan has accepted the position to be our new student pastor. Um, I believe we're going to have a slide on the screen. This is Ethan. If you didn't have a chance to meet him, uh, he and his wife, Victoria, they're actually moving to North Carolina this coming week. Um, Victoria had already, their, their plans were already to come to Greensboro. Um, she is going to be working at Cone Hospital. Um, she's getting ready to begin a residency there. And uh, Ethan is going to start here December 1st. Uh, so parents, he will have an opportunity uh, to put out a video in the next couple of weeks. We'll do one with him so that you know kind of some dates that are happening towards the end of this year, but also um, we're excited that he has a month to really be able to get in and begin some things uh, because part of ministry, and especially with youth ministry, um, is, is getting involved in family calendars. And we know family calendars fill up super fast, um, so it's, it's going to be an exciting time. Uh, December 1st for sure, um, he'll be beginning, but um, I, I think if I understand their, um, their schedule clearly enough, um, they will be here with us next Sunday, I do believe. 
Um, so you'll have a chance to start meeting them, and we'll be able to connect you if you're watching online um, as well. I'm really excited about what God's doing um, in, in our church. So thank you so much uh, for praying for them. Um, Ethan, uh, fortunately, he's, he had to miss a Sunday today. They're, they're in the process of moving, and um, Nathan Cotman, who is a, a state guy, he, he, didn't, he didn't just like him. He went there, uh, State and Liberty, which is where Ethan, has, uh, he got his degree, and I, I got mine, as, to be fair. We were, we were on an undefeated streak. Tiffany graduated from We were on an undefeated football streak. We were headed straight to a national championship, I do believe. Um, maybe, maybe a little bit too much of a dream story. Uh, don't know how, how Liberty would have done against, um, there's a couple schools, uh, their names are like Clemson and Ohio State and Notre Dame. I think, I think we had them. I think we really, you know, is, you know, when you have the Lord on your side, I'm sure that is just, you know, in football, I'm sure that, you know, uh, Lord is greater than concussions or something like that. I don't know. So, um, but we're, we're defeated now. We, we've, we've lost one game by one point to NC State, but it's, uh, they're going to be moving in. You have a great chance to get to know him. Uh, I want to encourage you to ask them about um, just life, what they've been doing. Um, Ethan will be able to tell you a little bit better um, than I could, I'm sure, about his degrees. He's had a chance to not just get his undergrad, but he's finished a couple master's degrees now, uh, one that's really geared him towards student ministry, but also one um, that's in pastoral counseling. So um, I'm excited about what God's going to do through them. Uh, we are going to be at our last week today in our series. It's uh, been entitled Live Generous. And um, this series has not been aimed at um, getting you or myself or anyone to do anything specific, uh, whether that's give money or serve or do any of that. But at the same time, this series has hopefully um, challenged us to give money and to serve and to do all those things. Uh, many times as I started this series, when, when generosity comes up in churches, uh, many times people spend either too much time putting, out, putting guilt out there about what people aren't doing. Uh, or they spend time apologizing uh, for what they're going to say. But the Bible just speaks clearly about generosity. And the greatest act of generosity is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a God who loved his creation so much that he didn't get frustrated with how they acted. Can I say, I mean, can, can that like settle in for a second? Because you, you've lived life long enough, right? I mean, you, you've lived with people. You've been around people. You've Maybe most of us, a lot of us have been married. Um, a lot of us have worked jobs. And, and man, how amazing is it that a perfect and holy God would love his creation so much that he wouldn't just get so frustrated with them that he would keep coming after them and he would, he would offer the perfect way for them to know him through Jesus Christ. Um, I don't know of a greater gift of just love that we can understand. Um, a love that I can understand just based on how my own shortcomings work and how my life fails at different times. Um, today I want to finish this series. The first week we talked about, and we, we were talking in terms of, of finances and money that week, but really the purpose of the first week was to kind of gear us towards how we could both be generous, but also we could deal with the stress and the frustrations that come with money in life when we simply anchor our giving towards people. Because people are the eternal investment. It's the internal investment that the gospel, um, gospel really is about. It's about knowing God and people being with him for eternity. So when we can, we can aim our giving, but also even just in our normal spending, when, when we get stressed and worried over money, if we can really tie it to, okay, Lord, um, how can the gospel be realized as I fix my car? Uh, that, that I can simply be able to go and travel back and forth to serve your people and to do ministry and to, and to serve my family well. And we make disciples as a family. So when we even repair stuff at our house that frustrates us, we're creating a safe home environment to make disciples in. 
And, and, and so instead of that just driving me crazy so much, I can find joy in that. And sometimes just the generosity of what we do to people, that we can find joy in that, the kind of joy that God wants us to live in. Last week we talked about our homes and really how our homes represent this thing that God wants us to really open our lives up to him. And, and opening our homes can be a scary thing, especially if you're somebody that constantly is consumed with how your house looks when somebody sees it. Because we all have people that we will clean our house for. And then we all have people that are like, yeah, they know us. Right? And isn't that a great point in the relationship? When you know someone's coming over and you've got to the point you're like, yeah, it's okay. Right? Like the big pile of dishes is something that they're entertained by as much as you are. Like when's it going to tip? They don't mind stepping over. It's like a, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an obstacle course of clothes coming into the laundry room. They don't mind stepping over all of them. It's pretty great. Um, but, but our homes in so many ways, as we intentionally use them, can, can kind of keep us in the discipline of even just opening our hearts, not just to people, but to the Lord himself. Um, when, when you can, in, in our minds, when, the more we can let someone in our homes, the more rooms they have access to. It, it's, it's a good discipline to keep us mindful of God, how, how you have um, free reign and you have a welcomeness in every single part of my life. I want to end this series, and I believe God would have us end this series, um, really looking at generosity, um, living generous as a lifestyle. Now, a lifestyle is, is simply, it's, it's our ways. It's the ways we, the way we do things. It's, it's the habits and the consistencies of our lives. Now, for all of us, there are things that we do or moments that are, it's, it's not our lifestyle, they just happen. But the lifestyle is where we see the consistencies. I may say, um, I may lose my temper in a moment, but if I, if I consistently hold my temper and I'm disciplined that way in my Christian walk with Jesus, then, then, then in a moment I may have something that I need to go to the Lord for or I may need to talk to somebody about, but, but it's not my lifestyle. Because when something's our lifestyle, it's either usually a great benefit or it's a great challenge for us to change. But the gospel tells us that, that our relationship in Jesus is grounded in lordship, which means if there's something hard to change, drawing close to him is the best way to even start that process, to really learn why should I do this, or what's the purpose of how you would want me to change. Because lifestyle change can be tough, but once it's, it's set in, it's great. And it can be the very thing that holds us to it. Um, I have, and it was, it was so funny. So there's a lady um, early in the service um, that was by here uh, at our church. And she doesn't go here. She was actually dropping, I think, probably her grandkids off or one of her grandkids. Um, and and I, saw her in our hall, uh, I saw her right there at the lobby when we were coming in. And uh, great lady. I love this couple. Um, and she looked at me. She smiled. She said, hey, Derek, you look great. Have you lost weight? You liar. Um, <laughs> Why would you come into church on Sunday morning and just start slinging lies around like that? Like, I know what I look like. I have truthful and honest mirrors at my house. I realize that I haven't lost anything. In fact, I've found the majority of what you've been looking for, okay? And I go through like a lot of people, you know, those seasons. Okay, let's get fit. Let's, let's lose a little bit of weight. Let's do this. Let's do that. But I can tell you this. Um, rarely in my life have I, I and, and honestly, the, the evidence is there, uh, have I ever committed to just a lifestyle of working out regularly? No, because... My life proves the habits of my days don't show evidence that that's my lifestyle. And, and I'll never really change unless it becomes a lifestyle. I saw a guy this week. Um, I'm hoping this wasn't his lifestyle. I was driving down 40, and I got right at uh, Death Valley, uh, right where the lane breaks off to the left to go down. You turn left or right on 421. 
And, and as I got right there, if you ever drive through that area, you know it kind of goes into one of those little kind of medians where there's, not a, um, there's nothing stopping you, but if you kind of miss one lane or the other, there's a place to kind of pull off. There's a guy there um, driving a four-door Honda Accord, and it doesn't really seem odd that somebody would stop there, but this guy was, um, evidently somebody must have hit a deer because his car looked fine. Because it, I mean, I was flying down the road, but I looked, I looked, I was like, what is this guy doing? I saw nothing, no damage. But he was, um, somebody had hit a deer, and he was getting the deer and putting it in his trunk. This was a big deer. I mean, he was full body wrestling it. Um, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't have stopped and helped, like, I wasn't going to touch it. But um, I would have been there to, like, cheer him on. I mean, if I could have stopped and turned around quick enough. And, and I looked at that, and I thought, okay. And I'm thinking about lifestyle changes coming up. I'm like, man, I, like, I hope that's not his lifestyle. Like, I hope he's not just kind of randomly looking. Because my first thought, honestly, was you don't start by putting a deer in your trunk. You put other stuff in your trunk <laughs> leading up to deer level, right? I'm hoping it's not his lifestyle. But I do hope what we can get to is, is a lifestyle of generosity. Um, and, and looking at this today, I want to be in, um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 12. That's going to be the main passage of Scripture we're going to be in. Um, Luke chapter 12, and we're going to start in verse 13. I'll mention a few other verses of Scripture um, as, as we really walk through this that I think will be helpful to you, uh, and, and hopefully this week you have a chance to go back and look through some of these. Um, verse 13 starts out with someone wanting Jesus to do something. It's, it's, it's a big request up front. Um, no, no prior relationship between Jesus and this individual that we know of, no evidence of that, but this is, this is the request coming out. Um, Luke 12, 13, someone from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Friend, he said to him, uh, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? Jesus isn't trying to just dismiss the guy, but there are moments, and, and I really stopped at this, this part of this passage because this really kind of convicted me a little bit. Um, so uh, someone comes up, and, and he's, this guy's mad. He, he's got some family disputes. You know what family disputes look like? Yeah. Um, he's got some family disputes, and, and particularly this one involves inheritance. And, and I'll be frank with you. Um, whether it's been, um, I haven't seen a ton of this in my own family, but I've been in ministry long enough to walk through this with a lot of families. Um, when, when someone passes away, especially when a generation really kind of fully is gone, um, it's a hurtful thing, and I think it's, we, we, need to, we need to think through this and really work with each other through this in a kingdom mindset because there's divisions that happen in families, especially in those moments that, that run deep, and, and especially if it's be, between believers, that's not going to allow us to really walk with Jesus in a healthy way and really honor the Lord um, in those relationships. And, and this guy that comes to Jesus, he is, he's, he's pretty ticked. And, and, and ticked to the point that he just sees someone who he feels like, hey, man, you've got some authority level. You teach with authority. Maybe you can do something. Maybe the guy's just desperate. And he says, will you please tell my brother to give me what I should give? And it's not that Jesus doesn't have anything to say. He, he, in fact, he has really great truth to say. But Jesus isn't looking to get in to the argument that he wants to have. And I think with, for believers, it's, it's really important for us to really understand Jesus always wants to speak truth into our lives, but if we come into the, a situation and it's really our heart that's wrong, oftentimes we, we feel frustrated and, and maybe thinking that God's not doing something, 
And, and, and it's not likely that God's not working. It's, it's probably more likely that God doesn't want to have the argument that I want to have. Does that make sense? Like when my heart is wrong, and I'm like, all right, God, I, you know, I want you to do something with this or fix this. or do it. And, and many times, probably if I really would just stop and listen to the truth, he would say, okay, I, I'll be glad to work in this, but, but I actually need to start in you. And you probably just want me to start in them. And that's important for us, I really believe, to really get our minds fixed in as believers because, again, lifestyle change. Lifestyle change. What does it mean to really change our lifestyle? It's going to be more than just adjusting some small practices. Verse 15, he then told them, watch out and be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. Now, this is a pretty broad thing that Jesus says. He says, be, beware of all greed. I think it's a pretty simple understanding that if we're thinking about living generously, then, then greed, wanting something for me, is going to be the opposite. It's, it's going it's to be what really fights us. But he says all greed. Because Jesus talks about money. He talks about possessions. He talks about um, things like what this guy's dealing with. Um, I feel like I've been wronged and I want it made right for me. It's really not maybe even about the possessions as much as it is his feeling of wanting it to be fixed because I feel like that's owed of me. Um, I used to call this at my last church the, uh, the coffee pot conundrum. Uh, the last church I was on staff at before air pots were invented and, and coffee was available on every countertop um, in, in churches and businesses, we had this huge commercial um, coffee maker, warmer, I mean, it was just, you could put like six coffee pots on this. So when you think about, you got a lot of people coming over, a big function, or you're trying to serve a lot of coffee, people coming into a meeting, whatever it is. Like, this thing was awesome to have. But it was also the one device at the church that you could never find. And it was never lost when ultimately we would figure it out. It was never lost at the church. You know where it always was? Somebody's house. It was always at somebody's house when we couldn't find it. Because they would see it and they realize it like, oh man, this thing is great. It's awesome. It's wonderful. I'm having a family reunion this weekend. This would be great to use. And instead of like giving somebody a heads up or anything, they were just like, unplug it, put it on the arm. And well, I mean, it was a, a big thing to have on your arm and, and, and go out with it. And, and it always came, and this is the scenario all the time. Big group function coming up, you know, a homecoming, a, a, a church meal. Uh, a conference, whatever it was, and, and again, no AirPods, no convenient coffee making. It's just, you know, this, we had this thing. All right, let's, let's get the coffee going. No coffee maker. And for weeks, you were making announcements, and you were trying to get it back, and then eventually it would just magically show up. And the root of the problem was not, and, somebody, and, and people would always address it this way, you know what, we need to figure out how to lock that thing up. <laughs> really? We're going to buy a safe for a coffee maker? Like, we're going to put chains across it and put padlocks on it. Is that really what we need to do? No, because the problem wasn't that the coffee maker was easy to move. Um, it was actually designed for that purpose. The problem was is that someone would look at it and say, hey, what I want to use it for right now is so important that I'm just going to do it. And that's greed. And, and I think for me, I, I, in, in my life, I've never lived in a scenario where I've just had so much money that I've just wanted more and more and more of it. I've never had um, a possession that was just so amazing that everybody was jealous of that I was just like, oh, i got to keep it for myself. 
Where I've struggled more with greed is I want it, I have a use for it, and I get just so focused in that that, that I want to do something with it. That's where I've struggled more with greed. And, and Jesus says, hey, be, be cautious against all kinds of greed because greed fights lordship. And when we're living in lordship with Jesus Christ, that's the gospel for my walk and the walk that I show others. So if I'm watchful over any area that greed could come in, then I'm more likely to be able to live a lifestyle that's generous because greed will attack from some different angles. This is something Jesus said. We have it recorded in Matthew 13. I, I, I feel like this really, um, this really helps us to understand before we step into what really life should be because he also says here, life is not in the abundance of his possession, so life must be something different than that. This is also what Jesus says about a scenario where he's talking about seed being sown. And in Matthew 13, part of that passage says this, um, that Jesus, uh, when he's talking about seed being sown among thorns, he says, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. For someone who hears God's word, the problems of life, the problems of life that come up, and the struggle figuring out how am I going to have the resources to fix and solve the problems of life, whether that's time, money, energy, whatever it is, it's going to be a it's going to create a struggle. And the struggle is so powerful that if my relationship with Jesus hasn't taken root, it could actually just choke the whole thing out. It could it could take the life out of my relationship with Jesus. And this really makes sense if you think about it. When, when a problem of life comes up, the deceitfulness of resources, do I have enough money to take care of this? Or, you know what, it's deceitful. Riches are deceitful because riches tell us, possessions seem to tell us this. If I have enough, then this problem is not going to be that big of a problem. If I just had more time in my schedule, this relationship wouldn't be like this. If I could just... Um, ha if I was just better at my job, I wouldn't be so frustrated at work. If I just had, then I wouldn't be. Or if, if, if I could just get this, then this wouldn't be so much of a stressor for me. See, the things of this world are supposed to be used to glorify God. And when they're used to glorify me, or if you use them to glorify you, that's when the deceitfulness comes in. In other words, possessions, riches, it, it will absolutely lie to us. This is the advice that Paul gave Timothy as he was a young pastor leading a congregation, he said he told this to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, verse 18. He said, instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share. That's, I mean, he's talking in lifestyle terms. Storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the, age, for the coming age so that they may take hold of what is truly life. The, the life that we're called to live with Jesus is something that we can take hold of but in taking hold of it, it's going to need to be characterized. There's going to be some things that need to match and be in rhythm with the kind of life that Christ wants. And generosity is a huge one of those things. I mean, look at it from the terms that he shares it in. Be rich in good works. Invest there. Be generous and willing to share. Um, this is what just in a couple quotes from Jesus uh, about what really life is. In John 17, he talks about life, eternal life really being anchored in knowing God and Jesus more. Uh, when we really know them, that in itself is life. And, and that has no, no quantity. That doesn't have a bank account. That doesn't have numbers attached to it. That is just relational. 
In Acts 20, Jesus is quoted by saying this. Probably, you probably heard this a lot. Um, it is more blessed to give than receive. Have you ever heard that? I think many times we hear that and we, we kind of miss the real meaning behind that. There, there's two different forms of B-L-E-S-S-E-D that we have. Um, it's either read as a one-syllable word or a two-syllable word in, in the Bible. When it's read as a two-syllable word, it doesn't mean something that I've received or that I'm honored. It means, it means holy. And, and if you really understand it from that terms, if we understand it from that terms, it means it is more holy to give than receive. It's not, hey, the more I give, I get this great blessing. No, giving is holiness itself. It's a reflection of who God is and what the gospel says. And that's why generosity is so important. To live faithfully for Jesus, to have a close walk with him, we can't, we can't remove generosity out of that if we're going to have a really solid lifestyle that we live with and for him. Now, um, Jesus continues. He's really just now kind of called the attention of this guy that brought his problem to him. He continues with this. Um, then he told them a parable. A parable is simply a story without names attached to it. Um, it's a polite way of getting your point across without totally offending everybody in the crowd. And Jesus used these perfectly. He told them a parable. A rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there. The first problem, the first problem we see with this parable is this. This person that had a field that was very productive, that led him to look at how much he had. The first main problem is this. He assumed that the abundance was meant for him. He assumed that. That's a dangerous assumption as we live for Jesus. Um, I have to look, it, it's, it's to have a lifestyle of generosity, we have to look at almost every situation that comes up, not to exhaust us, but to stay consistent. For instance, if, 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 I, if I received money that I was not expecting, I could immediately jump into saying, hey, how do I want to spend this? Or I could pause and say, okay, Lord, I wasn't anticipating this. Th this is really um, outside of what I needed. I didn't have a need that I was already praying over that matched this amount of money. So, Lord, help me see what you would want me to do with this. That's literally the difference between this man heading in the right direction versus the wrong direction, really just being open to what God would direct him towards. So this is where his idea carried him. After he said that I'll build bigger barns and store all my grain there, then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? You know, the root problem here was not that his life ended in that night. The problem was that he came to a place when he saw what he had, he jumped straight into what could this do for me. And his, and his desire, his desire wasn't really just to build barns. His real baseline desire was what? To be able to eat, drink, and enjoy himself. He said, I'll say to myself, here's my advice for me. Enjoy it. Now, does this parable, is this aiming at Jesus saying that he doesn't want us to have a life that we enjoy? No, he says that I want to give you life more abundantly. I want you to have the life that you never dreamed that you could have, but in the form that he wants to give it. 
And for this man, he was really looking internally at himself. So as a believer, why, is, it, is it really that wrong for us to kind of find enjoyment in life? No, but th- these are the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. And, and this, this phrase that Paul uses, I think, just really allows us to go, okay, then, then, then I need to consider everything in my life. Paul says this, if the dead are not raised, he's talking about Jesus, if the dead are not raised, then let us eat, drink, for tomorrow we'll, we'll die. Paul says in himself, he says, listen, if Jesus didn't come back from the grave, then fine, let's just all live our lives. But because he came back from the grave, then we have a purpose to live in this world, and that, that deserves us to call everything in question for lordship in Jesus Christ. It's, it's, it's owed of that. The final part of this parable, verse 21, is, is, is there, again, there, there's an interesting phrase in this. Verse 21, that's how it is with the one who stores up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. Now, rich toward God doesn't mean that we have um, a certain amount of um, offering that we give a year. It doesn't mean that there's a certain number of zeros that have to be on, on the backside of that offering number that we've given over the year or over our lifespan. Being rich towards God means that, that I find extreme value in how I seek him and how I invest and, and spend the things of my life towards his purposes, that that's where I'll bank everything that I can bank. That's what it means to be rich towards God. The problem was never in this parable, the problem was never in this parable that the field was productive that the field grew some crops that offered profit. That was never the problem. Success for Christians, um, good careers, financial blessings, those are never problems. They're opportunities. Poverty is really never the problem. It's an opportunity. It's, it's a moment where we have an opportunity to make a decision for the Lord in some way that will bring honor and credit to Him. After this passage, as it follows through, um, Jesus addresses how worry, worry gets wrapped up in this battle of the cares of this world and the resources that we have to take care of them. He walks through how just worry just gets intertwined in that. The, the part that I feel like would, would be most accurate to really what the heart of God is for this message is this, verse 31, but seek his kingdom. And these things will be provided for you. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old. An inexhaustible treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. This verse in verse 32, don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights to give you the kingdom. When it comes to the heart of God to give, does this verse mean that God just really wants to give us all, um, all the money, all the time, all the job, all the position. Does he want to give us all those? No, those, aren't, those, aren't, those things aren't the kingdom of God. Those are resources that, that God moves around in his kingdom. The kingdom itself is Jesus as Lord and people living for him and connected in life with each other, sharing back and forth, being generous in good works. That's the kingdom. And a father that knows what we need and loves us 
and that calls us little flock, this intimate relationship kind of talk, that's the kind of father that's paying attention to you and me going, it's actually to his pleasure. He gets enjoyment out of giving into our lives the things that we really need. And sometimes we receive those not from getting but from getting. And in, in, in the act of being holy, living for Jesus in giving, sometimes we, that's how we receive the kingdom. Have you ever given to a need? Have you ever heard about a need that was going on and because you got involved in it, you found out more about really what was happening with that and you were able to play a more significant role than just necessarily giving money? Maybe you were at least able to pray for them regularly or, or have conversations about what was going on. Something was happening. You, you intentionally connected on a much deeper level because you took one step of generosity. That's God with his great joy saying, yes, it, that's, that's what I want. I want you to open your heart to me. I want you to open your life to the kingdom so I can give you the kingdom in that sense. I can give you that information. I can give you that connection. Such an incredible thing. So how do we take this kind of concept and really begin to live a lifestyle of generosity? How do we, how do we live generous? Um, I think the main thing that I would want to encourage you in is, is this, um, to start somewhere. Uh, a concept like live generous, it's, it's a really big concept with not a lot of specifics to it. So where do we start with this? I want to encourage you, especially as we, as we end one year, we begin another. A lot of times this is such an easy way for us to kind of get to a place in life where we're thinking through things and we're kind of starting new habits. How, how, do we, how do we begin this? I would encourage you to do this. Set a baseline. And, and that baseline, I would encourage you to look at it like this. Number one on that baseline is time that you're going to spend with the Lord. Because everything in life is the overflow of a relationship that we spend with God. So set a baseline. What kind of time, how much of it, and when are you going to have devoted, carved out time to the Lord? Many times in life, we hit a wall, and when we, we just, we're exhausted, we're tired, we fought, we've done everything, and, and, we, and we know that we need something we don't have. But the one thing that we sometimes don't take that extra step of doing is saying, okay, Lord, I know that I'm frustrated, I'm angry, I'm hurt, I'm whatever, um, but, and, and I just, I need something. But, but remember, logically, if the Lord is going to give us something, we have to give our attention to him to be able to receive it. So, so when is that time going to happen? And I would tell you, that's more important than any financial decision you're ever going to make because you're only able to make good financial decisions out of time with the Lord. So let that be the first step of the baseline that you set. Time with the Lord. When is that going to be? How much? Where? I mean, get specific. Put it on the calendar. You know what sometimes I do? Sometimes I put it on the calendar just so that if I miss it, I'm immediately accountable face-to-face. -face. And I'm just motivated to go back and say, I'm not, I'm not going to miss that again. So spend time with the Lord. Have that as the first thing on the baseline. When it does come to giving, I would encourage you to go ahead and establish what your commitment to the Lord and giving is going to be at the beginning of the year. Set a baseline for it. That's where we start. Um, this is something that Wendy and I have always done. We've always had a commitment. As, as we start our year, this is what we want to give this year. A lot of times, most of the years, we base that off a percentage of what our income is. And we set that as a baseline. So we know when we start talking about being generous to other people or other needs, we never take from that. We've already decided about that and we stick to it. So then we, we give generous above that. We don't swap that out. Um, and I believe in Scripture that's, that's obedience to the Lord. He wants us to, to give in regular to his work. 
Um, so, so look at what the baseline of that is going to be. So then you really are aware of what, what God allows you to do on top of that. And you know what? It, we, I, I, will, I can give you instance after instance where God has given us things in, in, our, in our marriage that because we already decided what that base amount was, when we received something, we were so much um, more easily aware of, Lord, you gave us this just to turn around and give to someone else. Um, and it, and it, honestly, it, it makes it easier for us to live generous in the kingdom and for us to be able to receive that opportunity. Um, the next thing I would say is set a baseline on serving. How are you going to give time to the Lord intentionally? Um, God tells us to use our gifts with our church family. If this is your church family, um, look at your time and decide where you're going to make those commitments. I, I know as a pastor, I have a lot of people that say, hey, hey pastor, you know, I, I'm available. I'm, if you need me, call me. Um, it, it just with all the love I can say in my heart, um, in the, in the moment that someone is needed, it's very difficult to call in that moment. There's always places that there's opportunity to serve. And, and if you'll put yourself in those places, um, I find it the easiest um, to just simply look around and just see somebody and go, hey, um, I, I need help with this because they're already serving. They've already set that baseline. Um, one of the most, and, I, and I don't, I'm not trying to just, um, I, this church is the most helpful, um, most giving, just generous, open hearted church I've, I've, I've ever seen evidence of and been a part of myself. Um, just one example of that. Um, Nate Cotman works on our care team. Um, when, when he is in the children's side, um, I have asked him for something multiple times, um, and, and I never would have come and found him, but I asked him for that, and he's always willing to serve, but he's, but he's already put himself in that place. Does that make sense? That's just kind of one example of something that happens constantly with our church family, and all church families, really. But, but set that as a baseline. Um, look at and say, all right, um, if I spend, uh, and, and, and do it as a percentage if you want to. Look at your schedule and say, hey, look, how much time do I spend on me? So as a percentage of that, how much time can I give to the Lord? And, and make sure that I dedicate that up front. The, the, the third thing on the baseline, I mean, the fourth thing on the baseline is, is openness. We talked about our home. Um, set a baseline for how are you going to open your life or your home intentionally to people. Set it as a baseline to make sure something is always happening, that there's a rhythm to life and it's part of your lifestyle, but then you also see opportunities to go above that when you can. For you, it may be, I'm going to commit to a leading a community group two times this year. Um, for you, it may be once a month, we're going to invite a family over to our home and do lunch on Sunday. It may be you're going to do lunch once every other week with um, another, like if you're a guy at our church, you're going to do lunch every other week with another um, man that attends our church, whether they're coming to service live or they're watching virtual, you're going to go and connect with somebody and say, hey, next week can we have lunch? And you're just looking for that opportunity all the time. But if we set baselines in our life, and God gives us wisdom to do this stuff, if we set a baseline, then we know, God, this is a rhythm of my life, it's a my lifestyle, but also we get to see all the things that God wants to give us in the kingdom, greater insight of what he's really doing. I wrote this in my notes. To live generously, to live generous means um, that we really have a desire to see more on this side of eternity of what God is doing and not just hearing about it when we get there. Really having that desire. And, and I know during the holidays, it's very much, it's very much in, um, in front of us. Uh, I, th I think a local church is always a great resource, a great place to go and find opportunities. Um, Operation Christmas Child, um, Angel Tree, um, an outreach that we're going to put in your hands to be able to send to people in, in, the, in, in a few weeks from now. Um, 
local church is always a great place to be able to find those. And, and sometimes when there's scheduled events and there's holidays, um, it, it's just great because we can, we can really marry with each other well and, and serve together. But we, we aren't called to live a holiday-driven Christian life. We're called to live generous because we're called to live like Jesus. And the most generous thing I've said over and over in this series is the gospel. And it's impossible to live Jesus without living generous. When I first came here, um, it was a step of faith for me and my family. When I started here, um, we sat down and um, one of the elders told me, he said, uh, we kind of hope we can pay you. That's not news you take home to your, life, your wife real well. Um, but since I've been here and I knew that God had placed us here, um, as a church, thank you. Because in October, you guys just said thanks with a monetary gift that you didn't have to. But that gave us an opportunity to see how we could be generous and be a part of what God was doing in our lives and in others' lives in a very specific way. In that first year, Vic came to me, and, and Vic got me connected with a place to stay on vacation that wouldn't cost us any money because he wanted to live generous into my life because he wanted my family to be able to have some time together. I know I've received generosity here and my prayer is and, and I want my lifestyle and my family to be that we give generosity but do you see how it just it connects us together it, it will always connect us as believers together but it's also such a great tool to also show the lost because in this season of life in this season of life one true statement for that parable that's also true for us is God doesn't say that to everyone he's going to say, you fool, your life is required of you tonight. But we don't ever know when our life will be required of us to go on into heaven with the Lord. And for the season we have, let's live it the way Jesus would want us to live it. And if you're, if you're early in your Christian walk and, and just to give to a church and everything is just man, like that's something I've never considered. You aren't being shamed into start giving. Let's just start a conversation of just what it means to live like Jesus. Because the gospel is so, so amazing and the God's word is so true that, that it will walk us into a season of growth to where, trust me, I'm never worried about when we'll all individually get there as families because the gospel will bring us there. But God does want to use you in his kingdom.